hello, everybody. Long time no podcast, but we are back, and we are back for the rest of the 2018-19 school year. Hi, friends. Have you enjoyed the snow? Uh, I will put myself into the no (laughs) category. I'm just so glad it happened on Sunday rather than Saturday. Boy, it would have messed up a whole lot of joy and jubilation down in Hampton, Virginia. How you doing, everybody? Rob with them with the first edition of Central Region Now, the exclusive podcast of the RBA Sports Network in quite some time. And let's do a little housekeeping and explaining before we move forward, because in this edition of the podcast, we're going to review Saturday in Hampton. We'll talk about Highland Springs. We'll talk about the game. We'll talk about their place in history. We'll talk about Manchester. We'll talk about their win, their historic first state champion win. We'll have a salute to our friends in Goochland County as well. We'll take a look back at the 2018 season, look ahead to a few of the nuances you need to know for 2019. And if you didn't see it earlier on Sunday, the first RVA Sports Network Top 10 Boys and Girls Basketball Polls of the Year are out. Normally, we like to have them out right as the season starts. And I'm going to just tell you right now, uh, this fall was different than any fall I've ever experienced, in part because my role in terms of football on radio grew this year. Well, actually, 100%, if you think about it, taking over for uh, Robert Fish uh, in the booth for Randolph Macon football, uh, doing play-by-play with uh, the voice of the Yellow Jackets, the true voice of the Randolph Macon Yellow Jackets is Marty Wilson uh, because he does a phenomenal job on commentary at football, and he is the man when it comes to play-by-play in men's basketball. So it was an honor to be with Marty. And, of course, Randolph-Macon had not only a good year, but a great and a historic year. They win the ODAC in the game at Farmville, second time in three years that they've won the game and won the championship of the conference on their arch-rivals home field. No better feeling than that. Then they get into the postseason. We travel to Cleveland, Ohio, and they pull off the shocker against the eighth-ranked team nationally in Division Three in John Carroll, giving the Yellow Jackets their first ever win in the NCAA Division III tournament, and only their second postseason win ever. Their other one came in the 1969 Newt Rockne Bowl, which no longer exists. That was pre-tournament days. And Randolph-Macon got a win uh, back in 1969, 49 years ago. That, of course, meant a trip to Muhlenberg College in Allentown, Pennsylvania, Thanksgiving weekend for the second round. Unfortunately, uh, their drive toward a championship came to an end that day. But that was uh, two extra trips that we weren't... uh, Counting on, uh, it meant two Friday nights that we were following high school football playoffs remotely, literally, and uh, uh, it, it also put a, a lot of extra work on us in terms of what we were doing near and around Thanksgiving coming into winter sports season, so there was just no way we could devote the time to get ready like we want to for basketball. So I made the conscious decision, let's let the, the teams play for a week or two, and, and then we'll go ahead and take care of uh, the polls. So the polls are complete. They are out. They were published this afternoon, Sunday, as I'm recording this on the podcast at rbasportsnetwork.com. And coming up in a few moments, we will go over them. But yeah, it's been a totally different fall for me. Uh, you will note a few things about our coverage during fall sports and uh, and football season. You will note that we now have a, uh, a, a working agreement. We have a synergy with uh, our friends at 804 Varsity and Richmond.com. Uh, long story. Story short, with the demise of the Hanover Herald Progress back in late March, uh, that really changed a lot of things for myself personally. Um, One of the avenues that it changed was where I was writing newspaper articles because I joined joined on with uh, Richmond Suburban Newspapers with the Mechanicsville and the Ashland Hanover Local a few weeks after that. And I also uh, began to do some work with the Times-Dispatch, who of course has Richmond.com and 804 Varsity. And we talked over the summer and came up with a game plan for the fall, and we feel like it's worked out on this end wonderfully have enjoyed writing feature articles that you've been seeing in the Times-Dispatch, reading on Richmond.com. Got a chance to talk to a lot of great people about a lot of great subjects throughout this fall, and we'll continue to do that as the year progresses through the winter sports into the spring sports as well. And we're very happy to help them out on some of their back-end duties to help keep you informed on things. And uh, that, to me, that's awesome, the fact that, that the RVA Sports Network and 804 Varsity are working together to, to provide you as much 
and the best high school coverage of high school sports that we possibly can. Some of the things we do overlap, sure it does. But in a lot of areas, we can provide a lot of synergy, and I think we've proven that here over the last few months, and it's really been great. So shout-out to uh, sports editor Michael Phillips. Shout-out to, of course, Eric Kalinich, who handles the high school um, sports department there and does a fantastic job. Uh, and who also made a cameo appearance as the uh, uh, host of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, on our YouTube channel, <laughs> when we were recording the Highland Springs um, post-game press conference on Saturday after their state championship win, you could see Eric's head there at the bottom. And I, I kind of joked with him about it in the press box during the Manchester game. I didn't think about the Mystery Science Theater 3000 aspect of it. He could have just started talking and whatever. And But no, of course, Eric wouldn't do that. He's a professional. So we've really enjoyed working with the gang there and 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 bringing more and, and, and good quality coverage of high school sports. That's what we're all here to do is to, to spotlight you guys, the ones who go out and, and, and get the job done in field hockey, in cross country. Football obviously gets a lot of the, of the pub, but we see you in volleyball and we've got three state champions in volleyball this year. Patrick Henry for the third time, James River. For the fourth time, which is a new standard for Virginia High School League boys volleyball. Deep run, back-to-back in an incredible rivalry with a Glen Allen program who definitely arrived this year, and they're going to be around for a long time. So deep run Glen Allen boys volleyball, that is a ticket you need to purchase in advance for their two regular season meetings next fall, and then we'll see if they end up meeting each other down the line. Region possibly and even possibly again uh, at the state level. We've had so much great stuff going on here during uh, the fall season, the run of deep run field hockey once again, all the way to the championship match, and they're going to crack that egg. They're going to bring the championship trophy home one year. Of that, I have no doubt. Coach Hayslip getting her 100th career victory during that championship uh, run up to the title game. What a great season for them. And then, Wow. I mean, all the stories in football this year. Uh, Glenn Allen, a, a phenomenal story. I know that we have two 15-0 coaches now in Lauren Johnson and Tom Hall. And around them yesterday and, and, and watching these teams throughout the year, especially me, I got to see Manchester's last two games. We broadcast the Ocean Lake State semis on our YouTube channel. And, of course, we were there in Hampton on Saturday. Uh, j- just a phenomenal job. And we, and we made this a note on a late-night tweet Uh, on Chesterfield Sports Saturday night, we really felt like it needed to be um, said because we're in an age now, even down to the high school football level, to where some schools will not give you a lot of time to, quote, turn around a program. You know, the most disappointing, probably, story of the entire year was the decimation of the Hermitage High School football program. And I don't know all the ins and outs about it, and, and I know that there, there were a lot of people who left the program when Coach Kane decided to leave. I know that they had a lot of young players, um, and I know that there was some problems late, uh, specifically talking about the altercation at the end of the game against Douglas Freeman. Uh, now there's been a coaching change, and, and now my, my hope for Hermitage, and, and I have a little bit of skin in this game because I have two children and one went to Hermitage and one went to Glen Allen. And so it's kind of like when you, and if, if you're listening and you're still in high school, you'll understand me in 25 years. You'll go, oh, God, yeah, that old guy I heard on the podcast a long time ago, he was right. There will come a point in your life where the teams your children root for or the teams your children are participating in are more important to you than your own teams. Like right now in the National Football League, I am much more interested in what the Bengals and the 49ers are doing than what my Raiders are doing. Even if my Raiders were having a good season, which was the case just a few years ago, I still was having more interest in my daughter's favorite team and my son's favorite team because priorities change just the way it is. So, uh, you know, I look at the Hermitage and the Glen Allen football programs and I want them to do well because I had children that went through those those two wonderful institutions. So I'm not worried about Hermitage. They're going to get it straight. It's going to take some time, uh, but they'll be right back in the mix, and it will be sooner rather than later. And once they are, then you talk about a competitive nature in the Colonial District in 2019. You think about just the western half of Henrico. I know we got eastern Henrico, you know, and the and the the three schools there that go against each other. That round robin of Highland Springs, Verina, and Henrico. Got that. That's been established for quite a while, and Henrico now holding their end of the bargain up. Uh, But on the west side, you know, we had some pretty great games this year 
Freeman barely beating Glenn Allen. Glenn Allen going for two and talking to Sal Camp on our In the Red Zone broadcast live last Monday night on 1029 The Mater. I asked him, any regrets? Do you go for two now? And he go, yeah, of course you do. You know, he said, we're playing with house money at this particular point. And, and you, you think about it, they make that two-point conversion. He said the only regret he had, he said he should have run it weak side, not strong side. And if he'd have done that, he felt like he would have gotten the two points. Now, there was still a minute and change to play, and Freeman could have come back and kicked a field goal or scored a touchdown and won the game. So the two-point conversion had it been made doesn't necessarily mean Glenn Allen would have won. But imagine if they had, and they would have gone into the postseason 9-1 and one rather than 8-2. and two. They would have hosted a first-round playoff game rather than having to go to Atley. But now I've gone full circle in what I wanted to say, and that is I know that there are two 15-0 head coaches in the region, and I know they have done phenomenal jobs, historic jobs. But I don't have a vote in this, and I'm not exactly sure who does all the voting. I know that they have region coaches of the year and their state coaches of the year, etc. But if there was a, a if the RBA Sports Network handed out a Football Coach of the Year Award in 2018, it would go to Sal Camp at Glen Allen. What Coach Camp and his staff were able to do this year was nothing short of miraculous. To take a program that had never had a winning season, only had one playoff appearance, that was during a four and six season back when they were in class four, they went to Denby and lost. So they'd never won a playoff game. They'd never won five in a year. They'd never had a winning year. They'd never made the postseason with a winning year, and they'd never won a postseason game, and they did it all. And they ended up losing to eventual state champion Highland Springs, and where's the shame in that? Everyone who tried to play Highland Springs lost this year. 9-3, and three, the final record. The, the emergence of Chris Butler at wide receiver, a basketball player who was you know skittish about playing football, and they finally got him to come out, and what a year he had, and what a weapon he was, and the in the ability of Donovan Riddick to have his coming out party this year. Now I'm hoping that he can go on and play at the next level. And we know we knew coming in about how good Devin Flowers was. And, you know, you look at Devin, and now I look at him in a different light and in a more appreciative light because of the selflessness, you know, that he had. He could have said, you know, I want to carry the rock. He, he had 100 less carries this year than he had last year, Coach said. And for Devin, it didn't matter because they were getting the job done in many ways, and they were winning football games. And he got to play middle linebacker this year, which Coach said he thoroughly enjoyed. And he had to pick six in that to kind of seal and end up the Lee Davis win, which really was the win, that Wednesday night game before Hurricane Florence, that kind of set Glen Allen's season in motion. They were 1-1 one one going into that game, and they were trailing in Mechanicsville at the half, if you'll remember listening to our broadcast that Wednesday night. And then Lee Davis uh, blew the opening kickoff, fumbled it. Glen Allen recovered. Riddick, who hadn't scored and barely had any rushing yards in the first half, scored the first of what would be four rushing touchdowns in that second half. Then they force the fumble on the ensuing kickoff, recover, and score. And they end up winning 39-20 to with the Flowers pick six coming in the final couple of minutes of the game. That was the Jaguars coming out party. That was their statement, hey, we've arrived. And then they get back the next week and they give Hermitage their first loss ever in school history. Glenn Allen never beat Hermitage, never came close, and they got the job done. And Coach Camp had a very interesting um, observation on that too on In the Red Zone. And again, you should join us Monday night, 6-7. to seven, Listen live on 1029 The Mater. You can listen on the TuneIn Radio app on Radial, R-A-D-I-A-L-L, or come up to Sports Page Grill in Ashland and watch the show live. We are live there at the restaurant each and every Monday night from 6 to 7. And weather permitting, we're going to be there tomorrow night with a Verina Head Boys basketball coach Andrew Lacey as our live special guest. But talking with Coach Camp last week, he was, you know, like, Hermitage, in terms of their defense and their athleticism, he said was one of our toughest opponents this season. So he feels that Hermitage will be right back on the money in very soon. And we do too. But that's just my long rambling answer to the question, who do you think is coach of the year? That's my answer. If I had to pick a player of the year, I would have to go to Brendan Clark at Manchester simply because if you look at his um, touchdown to interception ratio, it's it's unreal. It's insane. It's unfathomable that someone uh, playing at, in terms of size of school, the highest level at the Virginia High School League, playing teams in the postseason like Colonial Forge and Ocean Lakes and Freedom, who knocked off Westfield, the three-time defending state champions, that he would go 
and throw exactly one interception all year and, and, and just see how he commanded that offense. Definitely, from the offensive standpoint, best player that I saw. Um, <laughs> uh, from a defensive standpoint, there are a lot of people that come to mind, to be honest with you, and I'm not sure that I could pick one specific player. Uh, I know one player that I really want to give a shout-out to who had a great state championship game on Saturday who was a wonderful interview when I got to sit down with the seatbelt gang over at Highland Springs. But just for his toughness to overcome everything that he has, he, he couldn't play in the, in the championship as a sophomore. He was injured last year and missed the playoff run to the title game against Tuscarora. So when he was making plays yesterday in Hampton, Tremaine Talbert of Highland Springs uh, was making memories and making up for lost time. And uh, the Springers thanked him very much for doing both because he was a major contributor to that game, and so much so that Stonebridge did everything in their power to make sure Tremaine had no shot at returning anything for a touchdown. They tried to negate the special teams, and for the most part, they did. So Highland Springs does what Highland Springs does. They find other ways to beat you. And they did so, 37-26 the finals. So you, you put it in perspective, fans, the last seven championships, six since we went through reclassification in 2013 to the six class, or at that point, uh, six group classifications. We always had six football champions for many years prior to the reclassification. What that did was give uh, six championships and a bunch of other sports that up until that point only had three, Group A, Group AA, and Group AAA. Then they went... You know, Group 6A down to Group 1A. Now they call it Class 6 to Class 1. 2012, L.C. Bird wins the last Group AAA championship uh, in Division 5. Then they win what's then known as the Group 5A title in 2013 and 14. Then Highland Springs takes over, and they win it in 2015 and 16. They changed the name to Class six, uh, class 5, excuse me, and they won it last year over Tuscarora. They win it this year by 11 over Stonebridge. So seven straight years were out of Class 5, is how we know it today. The RVA, the 804, has delivered a state championship in football. I know you'll go, it's, well, it's only been two teams. It's not like there's been a bunch, but let me say this. We've had L.C. Bird win three in a row, then Highland Springs win four in a row. This year, the rise of Manchester, they finally slayed Colonial Forge. And for my money, I watched the last two Manchester games with my own eyes. The win at Colonial Forge was the state championship game. Uh, you know, Colonial Forge had the football twice in the first half of that game at the Manchester one. And on those two drives, they came up with zero points. Zero. Manchester is held to 21 points. Colonial Forge, a fantastic defense. And I know Manchester would tell you, best one they saw all year. And then they go after that win and proceed to beat Ocean Lakes and Freedom by a combined 91 to 10. And they allowed both of those teams to score first. Ocean Lakes, a field goal to start the game down in Virginia Beach in the semis. Freedom had the first touchdown Saturday in Hampton, and then Manchester went on runs of 42 and 49, respectively, to dominate and win their first ever Class 6 state championship. And then you look at Hopewell winning last year. You look at Dinwiddie and Louisa in 2016 and 17 falling just short in Class 4. You look at Goochland falling just short on Saturday. What a phenomenal year for Devin McRae and the Bulldogs and for first-year head coach Alex Fruth. Let me say this, it is not easy when you have a coach as successful and as legendary in a community as Joe Fowler has been for Goochland and Goochland County, and he decides to move up, become director of student activities. It is not easy to be the person who is going to come in and replace that man while that man is still on campus. And you can ask Coach Fruth, he's the first to tell you that Coach Fowler has done everything in his power to support that team while allowing it to be Coach Fruth's team. And I can tell you for a fact, that is one of the major reasons why Goochland made it all the way to state championship Saturday and had a 14-1 season in Coach Fruth's first year. An amazing run. Simply amazing. And we congratulate them on that. You go back to Dinwiddie State Championship in 13, Goochland State title in 12. I was talking to Danny Lewis of Virginia Preps out in the freezing cold before we left Hampton last night. And we both agreed this stretch really started with Thomas Dale's run to the state championship in 2009 under the late, great Vic Williams. 
that run kind of after a five-year absence of state championships in the RVA, it set the tone. It was the precursor of the decade to come. Uh, and, and, it, and it was because Hermitage made the state finals the next year. And I felt like, you know, I told Danny last night, if Derek Green had been a year older, if he'd have been a junior that night instead of a sophomore up at University of Virginia, I think Hermitage could have won the championship then. Hermitage was a missed extra point away from returning to the state championship in 2011. The only reason why Hanover didn't win a state championship in either 2011 or 2012 was because when they got to the state semis, they had to place against schools that had 800 to 1,000 more students than they did. That was one of the issues that brought about the reclassification of 2013. Had that happened two years earlier, I think Hanover High School would have a state football championship in their trophy case right now. I do. Because instead of playing a Stonebridge, who's a Class 5 stalwart, they've been to three of the last four state championships. Uh, Instead of playing South County, who was in Class 6 when they played in 2011, you know, Hanover would have been playing schools much closer to their own enrollment size. And yeah, it could have been a Lake Taylor. Oh, yeah, it could have been a Woodgrove. Yeah. Could have been a Dinwiddie. Never know. But I think one of those two years, they would have come out on top. So while reclassification has had its own set of problems, and we've talked about that ad nauseum here on the podcast, uh, they've also granted some opportunities as well and some good opportunities for teams to finally, once they get in the postseason, play teams that are closer to them in, in school size. It's as simple as that. You know, there's no reason. And, and again, that goes back in also into football scheduling. There's no reason for George Wythe to, to play Manchester or LC Bird anymore in football. It just doesn't make any sense. And they don't have to. There was a rule placed a few years ago to where if your two classifications are more apart, and you're in the same district, you can petition the VHSL to stop playing each other in the regular season. Highland Springs and Armstrong don't play anymore. Hermitage stop uh, playing Thomas Jefferson and John Marshall. Now, you know, ironically, this past year, TJ probably would have beat Hermitage. But in normal years, that wouldn't have been the case. Uh, next year, Powhatan comes to the Dominion District because they're moving over there as part of the enrollment changes that happen every two years. And we'll talk about that in a moment, too, before we close our football talk. So... Suddenly, the Dominion District next year are going to have nine teams. So you're going to have, no, 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 they're going to have 10 teams. So you're going to have nine opponents. So you're going to have one, just one non-district game. So like if you're LC Bird, you're going to play Thomas Dale because you have to play Dale. It's the Battle of Chester. And then the rest of the, the schedule is landlocked. Well, I look at that and I'm going to go, okay, I need to drop George Witt so that I can pick up a much better game non-district wise so I can do what I need to do to toughen my kids and get them ready for the postseason run. Playing George Witt does nothing for Manchester or L.C. Burt. Just like in, in the stretch years ago under Patrick Kane, uh, Hermitage playing TJ and John Marshall just made no sense whatsoever. So So having said all of that, uh, I think you're going to see a few drops and some changes in 2019. And here are the things to note about 2019. Now, the number one thing is this. Manchester drops to class five. And again, this is all based on enrollment. You go, why do people go from five to six or five to four or four to five or three to two? What's all that mean? It's very simple, fans. Every two years, the Virginia High School League gets the base enrollment of every school in the league, over 300 schools here in the, in the Commonwealth. And then they break them down. They list them numerically by size of enrollment. And about every 52 to 54 schools, they put a line. And that group of schools, the ones that are the highest in enrollment, they're class six. And then the next highest group, they're class five. The next highest, class four and on down the line. So if you have a new school that opens, now we haven't had that happen here in Richmond since Glen Allen opened in 2010, but in Northern Virginia, it's happening almost every year. There are schools opening up there like crazy as the population continues to explode, especially inside the Beltway and in Loudoun County. And what's interesting in Loudoun is that, and I guess they have the financial wherewithal to do so, They keep opening schools, but they keep most of them at a population and enrollment size to where most of their schools are in the class four range. They don't have schools that are in class six for the most part in Loudoun County. Now, other parts of the the Northern Virginia area, they most certainly do. We look at Freedom of Woodbridge last night, Uh, but that's how they figure it out. And here are the changes that are coming. Manchester's dropping from six to five next year memory serves me correctly, Clover Hill is also dropping from 6 to 5. Now, Lee Davis is going to drop from 5 to 4. Lee Davis had a very disappointing football season, um, and they're going to have to turn that around next year. And going from 5 to 4 in football when you're struggling isn't as much of a break as you think, because look at what's happened in our own region here in Richmond, Region 4B, the last two years. You've had teams that were undefeated 
be seated fourth in the region. Look at Eastern View, who made it all the way to the state semis this year. They went 13-1. and They were 10-0, and but they were fourth in the region to start the postseason. And that was because of strength of schedule. An 8-2 and Monacan, a 9-1 and Dinwiddie. They had better strength of schedules, and you get more rider points that way, and that's how your average uh, gets better. So Eastern View may look at their schedule and go, how in the world can we improve things so that we're not in that situation? If we're going to go 10-0, and we'd like to have at least two home games. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't want to have to have one home game and then go have to play the number one seed and be on the road all the time. So anyway, back to who's moving where. So Lee Davis down to four. Midlothian goes up from four to five. So another great season for Midlothian, another postseason appearance, but now they go into the jungle where instead of having to deal with the Dinwiddies and the Louises and the Monicans and the Eastern Views, and the only team they really play in that, in that sense is Monacan in the regular season, now they're heading up to five where you know Highland Springs, you know Verina, you know L.C. Bird, you pretty much know Henry. Rico are going to be, you know, for the teams that are going to be vying big time for the eight playoff bids. And then after that, it's a, it's a roulette. You know, Douglas Freeman, Glenn Allen emerges this year. Atley got back in after a, a three and seven season. They go seven and three. <laughs> you know, you've got Mills Godwin deep run over in the West End that are, you know, constantly vying. Hermitage is going to bounce back at some point. Meadowbrook has bottomed, and I think that they will start to climb up again. I mean, 14 years ago, they won the state championship. Two years ago, they were the only team to beat Highland Springs in that 14-1 state championship season. So there's a proud heritage at Meadowbrook, and they want to get back to it. So Midlothian on their way up to five. You've got John Marshall moving from three to two. Goochland's going to move up from two to three. So that's going to be a challenge. So suddenly Goochland leaves when it comes to the postseason, the Amelias, the Picosans, uh, and, and the East Rockinghams and the Grams, and they move up and they'll have to deal with teams like Phoebus and Hopewell um, and, and, and some, some others as well uh, there in, in Class 3. And there are other shufflings going on throughout the Commonwealth, too. So the 2019 football season is going to be different. Uh, region 6B, as we know it, will cease to exist. There'll be a new region in, uh, in Class 6 that involves what few Richmond area teams are left. And, and we'll discuss all that as we get into the new year and closer to that all taking effect next August. It has nothing to do with anything going on in this school year. So everything is status quo uh, through state championships in early June for spring sports. But then we'll start looking at it really seriously about who's going where and who's doing what. And I had a conversation following uh, Highland Springs press conference with Coach Lauren Johnson. He alluded to his 2019 schedule in the press conference. So I asked him, you know, off off the subject, or in other words, it's not official and I'm not going to quote you, that sort of thing. I said, who are you playing? And he told me. And it is a murderer's row of a regular season. It is insane what Highland Springs is going to do in the regular season. If they go undefeated in the regular season in 2019, considering the senior class that they are leaving, they are that, that is leaving, that they're losing, uh, I'm going to tell you, I think it's going to be nothing short of a miracle. I don't think Highland Springs, now they may prove me wrong, but just the gauntlet that he told me about yesterday in Hampton. It, it, with a young team, 10-0 and is going to be really hard. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm saying it's going to be really, really, really hard. And I will be surprised. Honestly, I'll be surprised if they if they do it. So you got Highland Springs losing a big senior class. Well, next year, beer the year, they, they finally regroup. You'll remember they were supposed to regroup last year and not win a third straight state title, but they didn't. They reloaded and they won it all. And so this year they came in. I've never seen a high school football team that heavily favored to repeat as a champion. In all my years of covering high school football, I've never seen a team have all of those expectations on them in July, the end of July. Practice started July 30th, and on the first day of practice, people were like, Springers have got it. They're going to win four in a row. There's nobody close. They have almost everybody back. Who in the world's going to beat them? And in the end, those who felt that way were correct, but you got to win. And for the first time, they won all 15. Manchester loses 36 seniors, and most of their major contributors to this year's team but they have a lot of people waiting in the wings so Manchester will be good next year but it will be a definite transition year uh, for the Lancers no doubt about it they had been looking to this 2018 year as their year and they were able to make it happen so congratulations to the Springers congratulations to the Lancers and congratulations to Manchester for being patient with head coach Tom Hall 
and allowing him to mature that program over the years and deal with all the years in the 2000s where he had great teams that couldn't beat L.C. Bird and then they couldn't win the Dominion District and under the old format, you know, the Dominion District winner got the automatic bid to the postseason and only eight teams got in and there were a lot of good Manchester teams that could have done some damage in the playoffs that didn't get a chance to go to the postseason. Highland Springs knows about that too. Verina knows about that. Patrick Henry in the early 2000s knows about that. Hermitage knows about that. And that's one of the good things that came out of the reclassification of 2013. So we put a wrap on 2018-19, the football season, and we congratulate everyone. But just what stories this year. Hopewell, a, a tremendous season for them. I know it ended in disappointing fashion. I understand that. But Hopewell had a great year. Henrico, a very good year. Verina takes another step on the way back. Uh, it, it's just been, it's been a lot of fun. Been a lot of fun, fans, and we look forward to 2019. But we're going to put a wrap on 2018 for right now and turn our attention to basketball because that is going to be heavy on our minds for the next oh, 70 days or so. And we'll talk about two things. First, our first RVA Sports Network Top 10 Boys and Girls Basketball Polls, which were released on Sunday afternoon. We're going to go girls first. In the wings is what we call it for teams that are just outside the initial top 10. And we're looking at Midlothian and we're looking at J.R. Tucker. And we're going to have J.R. Tucker live on the game of the week on our YouTube channel early in January. More on that coming up in a few moments. But here's our first top 10 girls basketball poll, which you can see now at rvasportsnetwork.com. Number 10, a resurgent Patrick Henry team. A team that had been a top 10 stalwart in the early and the middle part of the decade with the likes of uh, Taylor Huber, Katie Anderson, Summer Price, Amber Lee, the Pender Twins, and many others. Fell off for a couple of years. Had a great, great player in Arne Taylor who who tore a knee not once but twice. Lost her for her sophomore year, lost her for her senior year, uh, and, and, it, it, and it hurt Patrick Henry, to be honest with you. But Arne moved to Mount St. Mary's into college. PH started to grow around Jabraya uh, Haverkamp, and now she's got help. She's got help with a sizzling freshman point guard named Logan Knuckles, um, who very much impressed uh, uh, yours truly as I saw them in action against Lee Davis Friday night on rivalry night we were covering out in Ashland. And she's got some other help, too. Ava Smith, who had a great year her freshman year, has improved in her game. She's quick. She's tough. She'll get on the boards. She can, she can pull up and, and get the jumper. She'll get the dirty buckets inside. She's not afraid to fall on the floor and fight for the loose ball. Um, Patrick Henry's got some pieces and some new pieces, too, other than Knuckles as well. They're 4-1 and one right now. Obviously, all games scheduled for Monday have been postponed, and whether they'll be made up or not at some point, they're going to try to, obviously, but at this point, with the snow still falling outside, no idea how that'll happen. But Patrick Henry looking good early, 4-1. and one. They are at number 10. Number 9, the Blue Devils of Verina, who have been a consistently good team the last few years. They lose some to graduation. They come back with some good players. They're currently 3-2 and two on the season, and Verina is in at number 9. At number 8, undefeated Hanover. Now, here is a turnaround story if ever there was one. Four years ago, Hanover girls basketball was if you won four games in a year, you'd done well. And it took head coach Mike Rohr a few years to change the culture there at Hanover. And two years ago, he got the turnaround, and they got the winning record, and they got the postseason appearance. And then they graduated a couple of really good seniors in terms of leadership skills. Uh, Elizabeth Ellen, better known as Biscuit, uh, Sarah Wright, both of them now at Randolph College. And in fact, Elizabeth Ellen is one of the co-captains for Randolph College's team this year as a sophomore. Hanover comes back last year, wins 16 games. They lose their, their star scorer, Jordan Davis, to a torn Achilles late in the regular season that hurt them in the postseason. Jordan is healthy. She is back. Hanover is 3-0. and They were supposed to play Highland Springs Monday night. That now will be postponed, maybe later in the week. It may be after the first of the year. But Hanover also is going to be in the Times Dispatch Invitational Tournament for the first time, and that is a huge accomplishment. If, that, uh, if, if the TDIT thinks that you are worthy of a spot in that tournament, you're doing something, and Hanover is definitely doing that. So 3-0, Hanover at number 8. Just ahead of them, also 3-0, and and at number 7, another team uh, that has been gritty and grinding, and they don't have you know the star names, but they go in and they get the job done south of the river, and that's the Rapids of James River. They're going to have another very good season this year, and I look forward to catching them 
uh, ASAP. They're 3-0. and They are number seven in our first top ten. Number six, Monacan. Monacan 2-1 and on the season. They fell to Cosby in an early season battle between those two great programs. Uh, but Monacan is going to be very good again this year. Um, how far they can go back in terms of a class four and try to maybe possibly make it four championships in five years remains to be seen. Our top five, Highland Springs is at number five. Now you'll note that Jada Walker, their great freshman point guard, now a sophomore, transferred out, is now playing at a school in Maryland. She is no longer with the Springers, and that was a big loss for that team, but they still have a ton of talent. They get a big win down at the beach on Saturday to improve to four and one on the season. Again, they're Monday game with Hanover is postponed, but Highland Springs will also be in the Times-Dispatch Invitational. Their lone loss is to our number four team, and that's Hopewell, who has started the season 6-0. and We've had a few teams that have played a lot of games, and most teams have played three, four, some five, six, and a few even just two. Hopewell is at 6-0, and number four, and they could do some heavy damage in Class 3. This year come the postseason. At number three, you never count out the Skyhawks of L.C. Bird. Coach Chevette Waller always has a crew coming in and a crew coming back and a, a ton of energy, a ton of athleticism and talent. And whether they can go seven deep or ten deep, the team has the discipline. You rarely see an L.C. Bird girls basketball team have heavy foul trouble. You may have one or two people in foul trouble, and most teams have that almost every game. But there's there's just a there's a synergy to that that program and to that team year in year out, no matter who's in the uniforms. And I always enjoy watching the Skyhawks. They open at number three, and they are three and zero. Oh. So are the Titans of Trinity Episcopal. They're three and zero, oh, and they're number two in our opening poll. Now I understand that they atop uh, the poll at Richmond.com, uh, but they open at number two here in our poll, and the reason why is the vote here was for Cosby at three and zero, and already with a win over ranked Monacan uh, to start the season at number one. They are the defending Class Six state champions. Who can forget the Marissa Gallagher basket at the Siegel Center in March when everybody in the world thought. The, the final shot was going one way, it goes another, and Marissa was the hero, and Cosby won their fourth state championship in five seasons. And they have a ton of players back, including Nia Covington. So for Coach Rachel Mead and company, Cosby to me, until somebody proves it wrong to me, and we're going to have a great girls' side of the Times-Dispatch Invitational bracket, because Cosby will be there, Trinity, the defending champions, will be there. Highland Springs will be in it. Hopewell will be in it. Hanover will be in it. There's going to be some great games. The semifinals alone in the TDIT on the 20th should be unbelievable on the girls' side. So our first top 10 with girls, Cosby, Trinity, L.C. Bird, your top three. Hopewell, Highland Springs, Monacan, four, five, and six. Then James River, uh, Hanover, seven and eight. Verina, nine. And Patrick Henry at 10. Now the boys. Looking just outside in, we have Prince George. We have Life Christian Academy, who, of course, made headlines by having the Ball family in for a game down at VSU last week. And the Stewart School, who is off to a very good start. I would also keep my eyes on Collegiate with Robbie Barron, who, of course, is on his way to Northwestern. But here is the top 10, the first one for boys basketball. Number 10, it's going to be a surprise to a lot of people. I had a chance to see him firsthand on Friday night. The Lee Davis Confederates come in at 4-0, and they are ranked 10th in our first poll. They have changed. Now, there are some issues about who they are that are still around. Uh, a little bit of inconsistency. Uh, occasionally, they will think they can cruise a bit, and they'll take a few plays off when they've got to understand and be disciplined enough to play the full 32 minutes. Once those things click, and once they realize and start cleaning up kind of the ticky-tack fouls that they don't need to commit, Lee Davis is going to be a very interesting team, and I think a team that could very well surprise somebody. I think they'll make the playoffs in Class 5 in Region B, and I think they could be a team that rises up and, and surprises a team or two when we get into the postseason. A lot of it will depend upon matchups in terms of when the brackets come out. You know, one one eight two seven three six. Let's say Lee Davis is in a three six game against a team that you know doesn't like to run very much or isn't capable of 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 handling a team that likes to get out in transition. Well, Lee Davis. Under Chad Bishop, they still want to have the really tight and tough defense, but he understands the guys he's got athletically, and he's going to let them run. He's going to let them fly and sky. I mean, God, Adonis Wallace, how many dunks did he have against Patrick Henry? And that that's just 
that wasn't Lee Davis basketball under Chad Bishop until this year he loosened up and thought, okay, the old man needs to change a little bit is what he told me and and utilize who I have. And they are currently 4-0. They beat a Glenn Allen team in their opener that two years ago they lost to by 35 points. And in that game, I remember watching that game sitting courtside at Glenn Allen and Lee Davis was just going through the motions like they didn't even want to be there. And and that's how much they've changed in, in two calendar years from December 16 to December 18, beating Glenn Allen in their opener. 4-0, a good rivalry matchup with Atlee coming up on Friday night on the road. When Atlee and Lee Davis get together, Katie barred the door. It is, uh, it's, it's one of the unknown great boys basketball rivalries in the Richmond area. You look at it and go, okay, I understand neighbors, Battle of Hanover. We talk about it a lot in football, the Stew Bowl. Obviously, Atlee Lee Davis softball has been titanic this decade. But Atlee Lee Davis boys basketball can be pretty intense. Going back all the way to the start of the decade with a triple overtime thriller uh, to some of the other wild games that they've had here over the years, even when both have not had their greatest teams. Atlee is still trying to make that bounce up. Second year under head coach Rally Axel. They've struggled a bit here early off the off the uh, start of the year, but they got a good win at Hanover on Friday in another rivalry game. And Lee Davis Atley Friday night should be fun. But Lee Davis at four and zero, oh, they'll have a great test against another team that could show up in our top ten at some point very soon too. In Douglas Freeman, it's scheduled for Tuesday night at Freeman. Should we get the kids back to school? Number nine, James River. What a great job the Rapids have done to turn that program around. you got Norton back. You've got a lot of great players back. But the system there is now really beginning to gel and work. Looking forward to having James River and another ranked team we'll mention in a moment in Monacan on our game of the week as our first game in 2019. Currently scheduled for January 2nd, subject to change. But uh, right now should be on January 2 at James River, Monacan James River live on the game of the week. You can listen live on our YouTube channel. But James River comes in at nine. Last year, they had a disappointing season, but they were very young. It was a retooling year, a rebuilding year for Coach Vance Harmon. And now they're off and running six and oh early. Got a win over Armstrong late last week. Henrico in at number eight at 6-0. and Now at 6-0, and you think, okay, there's some teams ahead of them that have lost games. Why do you think they're low? Well, one of the problems is strength of schedule. Been a few games where you look at their early schedule and go, okay, they should have won that. They should have won that. They should have won that. That's all going to change as we get into deeper in December. They're going to be a part of Tucker's Invitational during the first week of winter break. And, of course, Henrico Holiday Hoops is coming up after Christmas, and we'll have live coverage on our YouTube channel for that as well. And those will be some very good tests, especially if Henrico and Monacan end up playing each other sometime in those three days. That'll be a great one. Monacan, of course, the defending Henrico Holiday Hoops champion. So Henrico at eight. Highland Springs at seven. And of course, the Springers and Warriors will see each other very soon. Highland Springs early on two and one on the year. Hopewell at six. They begin the season at three and one. Monacan is five. Of course, the huge the huge addition transfer in for Monacan. And now suddenly the Chiefs kind of rebirth, so to speak, after a year off, after having some fantastic years, including the state championship season a few years back. You know, can they make a deep run again in Class 4? It is very possible. Looking forward to seeing Monica, and I'll get to see them twice at Henrico Holiday Hoops. Probably see them a couple of games there. And, of course, again, Monica at James River, January 2nd, live on our game of the week. Number four, Trinity Episcopal had a tough time at Sleepy Thompson this past week. Had a couple of losses. Picked up a win over T.C. Williams in Northern Virginia to put their record at 5-2. and two. But if you've got a team that's got, you know, I know they lost Baycott. I get it. But you got Henry Coleman and you got Burke Smith and you have some other young emerging talent coming in and you got a great coach like Rick Hamlin. Trinity's going to be tough and we'll see if they can defend their Times Dispatch Invitational Championship. They'll open play against Huguenot in the first round on the 19th. We'll talk about our coverage of that here in a moment before we sign off. John Marshall at number three. Yes, they lost Isaiah Todd, but they have got a ton of talent coming back from the defending state championship team. L.C. Bird. Lance Monterio comes in from Huguenot. You've got a lot of great returnees, and you've got a team hungry after being stunned in their playoff opener last year against Highland Springs. I think that's all the ingredients, along with the experience and the expertise of head coach Troy Manns, of a possible deep run in the tournament. L.C. Bird is going to be a force to be reckoned with this season. They are off to a 2-0 start, and they begin our uh, top 10 this year at number 2. Also off to a 2-0 start, and number 1, they are the defending Class 5 state champions, and they essentially have 
have everybody back, and they are the Blue Devils of Verina. So they are, while they are not as heavily favored to repeat as champions as Highland Springs was in Class 5 football, they definitely have the target on their back. And I say that because they've they've got an LC bird to have to deal with. Highland Springs is going to be in there. Henrico's on the rise again. And when you get into a one-game situation, anything can happen. If you don't believe me, ask LC Bird about what happened in round one against an, an eight seed in Highland Springs who came in and shocked them in part because they were getting healthy at the right time last February. So our top 10, Verina, LC Bird, John Marshall, the boys' top three, Trinity four, Monacan five, Hopewell six, Highland Springs 7, Henrico Young, but doing well at 8, James River 9, Lee Davis at 10. Watch out for Stewart, watch out for Life Christian, Prince George, Douglas Freeman. Need to put them in that mix as well. And again, if we get back to school Tuesday, that Lee Davis at Douglas Freeman game should be a very interesting one. I may have to go to that one, cover it live on Hanover Sports and Henrico Sports, simply because... You've got the sudden run-and-gun ability of Lee Davis against a Freeman team that's going to want to slow you down. Well, whose who's will is going to be imposed in that one? And it's going to be a game that, you know, down the line, we could look back and go, you know, that was the difference between being a four and a five seed or being a five and a six or a seven and an eight. You never know. These early games, when you play early games in December against teams in your region, they matter. They matter to me as much as they do anything when it comes to rivalries or Big games on Friday nights in January, February. Some of these early games in December, you can get three, four, five wins against region opponents, and it's big for you. Uh, if you don't believe me, ask Atlee Football. That's how they got a home game in the first round of the playoffs this year. They went unbeaten in their three non-district games, all against 5B opponents. They beat Deep Run, they beat Mills Godwin, and those two played in Week 11 to determine who'd be the eighth seed. And then they beat Douglas Freeman, who made the playoffs. And that's how they were able to outpoint a Glen Allen team that had a better record, but Atlee had a much better strength of schedule and three quality non-district wins as well. Oh boy, we've gone through a lot here on Central Region now, and I knew we would because we haven't been with you in so long. But now with um, the end of football season, so we're no longer doing our, our football Facebooks on Wednesday afternoon, uh, on the sidelines Wednesday playbook, and on the sidelines extra Friday nights after football. And, and I want to salute Mark Davis and everybody over at NBC12, uh, Frank Jones, Kim Greenwich, everyone over there. Uh, at, at NBC 12 for, uh, again, an incredible year of partnership with high school football. Mark was running around like a chicken with his head cut off, frozen, <laughs> a frozen chicken, uh, down there on the field at Armstrong Stadium in Hampton on Saturday. Hope you got to catch the highlights on um, NBC 12 News at 11. If you didn't, we have retweeted them uh, across our Twitter network. And, of course, at Mark Davis Sports, you need to follow him for the, the best coverage of of sports in the Richmond area on television. Mark does an incredible job, and we are thankful again for what now has been our six seasons of partnership with them. But with that not happening now, that gives us an opportunity to get the podcast back up and running. Our plan is to do it each Sunday. We will take off Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve, uh, but we will be back with you. We'll have a podcast coming up next week. And then, well, no, that's right. We will have a podcast on the 23rd because Christmas Eve's on um, Monday this year. We won't have one December 30th because we will be out of town and on holiday getting set for 2019, which is going to be a huge year, year for myself personally. Yeah, so we'll have a podcast next week and we'll have one in two weeks and then we'll take a week off and then we'll be back every Sunday. Uh, in uh, January, February, and on through through the end of uh, basketball and winter sports seasons, we got our eyes on gymnastics and swimming and wrestling and track, and we're, we're covering college hoops this year. Our, our coverage of Atlantic 10 women's basketball has backed off because, of course, the tournament's no longer in Richmond. With the impending demise of the Richmond Coliseum, that tournament's been moved to Pittsburgh for the 2019 year, but we're still keeping our eyes on VCU and the University of Richmond and women's basketball for sure. We do a lot of coverage of Randolph-Macon basketball. We've already had a women's basketball game on our YouTube channel. They had a huge win Saturday at Emory and Henry. The men were ranked and undefeated until they fell for the first time at Christopher Newport on Saturday. Now they go into exams with a 10-1 record, but still favored to win the ODAC championship. Both of those teams now uh, atop the ODAC men's and women's basketball. That's going to be fun to watch over the next couple of months, too. And we continue our um, live show in the red zone every Monday night from 6 to 7 
live on 102.9 FM and 1430 AM, 102.9 The Mater. Also live, you can listen on the TuneIn Radio app on Radial, R-A-D-I-A-L-L. And if you ever forget that information, it's at the very top of our live broadcast schedule on the right-hand side of rvasportsnetwork.com. And let's roll through that as we say goodnight here on this first edition of Central Region Now in a Long Time. Times Dispatch Invitational Coverage will be here on the RVA Sports Network and on the radio on 102.9 The Mater. Wednesday, December 19th at 6, we'll have Hanover and Trinity Episcopal in girls' first-round action, followed by Huguenot Trinity Episcopal, boys' first-round game. That's December 19th at 6 p.m. on 102.9 The Mater and on the RVA Sports Network online. Friday the 21st, live from Hanover High School, Times Dispatch Invitational semifinal Thursday is at Hanover. Championship Friday is at Hanover as well. We will have the girls' and boys' championship games on 102.9 The Mater, as well as on the RVA Sports Network. 6.15 is our airtime. Games are scheduled for 6.30 and 8.30. Then our holiday Feast of Hoops continues. Wednesday the 26th, we have all four first-round games at uh, Henrico Holiday Hoops 2018. On the 27th, a Thursday, we go over to Lee Davis for another quadruple header, the two semifinals for both girls and boys at the Southerner Classic. And then on the 28th, we go back to Henrico for the championship of Henrico Holiday Hoops. Normally, we do the third place in the championship games live on our YouTube channel, so we expect that to be a double header. but that's why we say time to be announced currently on our broadcast schedule. And we have two games set so far early in 2019. Boys basketball, number five, Monacan, at number nine, James River, on the second at 7.15. And on the eighth of January, a Tuesday night, it's a basketball doubleheader. Glenn Allen at J.R. Tucker. Going to be two fantastic games. The Tucker girls just outside of our top ten. The Tucker boys are on the rise with new coach Adam Desgame. They're making a stand there on Parham Road. So Jags-Tigers, great doubleheader January 8th. We'll go on the air on our YouTube channel just before 6. Broadcast schedule always on rvasportsnetwork.com. All right, my fans and my friends, we thank you for being with us on this uh, first edition of Central Region Now for the 2018-19 school year. We'll have it the podcast each Sunday from now through June, with the exception of New Year's weekend. Keep you posted on top 10 polls, broadcasts, answer your questions on Twitter, across our Twitter network. You wanted to know something, uh, ask us something, get our opinion on something, feel free to throw us a question. Use the hashtag Central Region Now, so we will see it and be able to answer it here on the air. Central Region Now, an exclusive presentation of the RVA Sports Network, solely intended for the private, non-commercial use of our audience. Any rebroadcast without the express written consent of HCS Media LLC is strictly prohibited. Another big thank you before we go to Titan Tire Auto and Tire. Titan Auto and Tire in Chesterfield with two locations for sponsoring the Manchester Ocean Lakes football broadcast last week. Rob with them saying thanks so much for being with us. Be careful out in the snow. If you don't have to travel, don't. And we will talk to you again next Sunday on Central Region Now and on Monday Night Live, 6 p.m. on 1029 The Mater on In the Red Zone. Have a good one, fans. Talk to you soon.